great. You've been loading up on things from Walmart? Yeah, I used my new Capital One Walmart Rewards card. It earns unlimited 5% back on everything I buy from Walmart online. Say what? 5% back. Say what? 5% back. Say what now? 5% back. With what? The Capital One Walmart Rewards card. Earn unlimited rewards, including 5% back at Walmart online on top of Walmart's everyday low prices. What's in your wallet? Terms and exclusions apply. Capital One N.A. This is a very different episode of the Already Gone podcast. If you follow me on social media, you may know that I'm part of a group of women true crime podcasters. Most of us started our shows in the last 12 months, meaning we're relatively new to the podcast world. Over the next few weeks, you'll see an extra weekly episode like this one, where I talk with another true crime podcaster about their favorite stories, ones that they've produced or in the larger world of true crime. I will still have a weekly episode about a mysterious or unsolved case. This is just a little something extra for you, the listener, so you can learn about our work, our process, and what compels us to share these stories. Or should it be ladies' true crime broadcast? I like women's. Be, okay, women's true crime broadcast. Uh, there is a group of women who have true crime podcasts that started up in the last year, so within the last 12 months, and we've started working together to make sure that our individual shows are successful and then also that our group supports one another with Everything from technical questions to not tripping over each other in terms of subject matter, advice for handling networking, social networking, things like that. Is there anything else that we are doing in the group that maybe I didn't cover? I think the only thing that's not um, specifically podcast related is the friendships that are just blossoming out of this and the senses of humor and the personal things that we have in common you know, that's maybe the unexpected piece of the group, or maybe it was expected. It's a lovely offshoot. Yeah. Because we all seem to get along pretty well and like each other pretty much. And yeah, for sure. So, Dina, tell me about your show. My podcast is called Twisted Philly, and I am a suburban Philadelphia native, born and bred, lived outside of Philly my whole life. And there's so many crazy, interesting, twisted stories coming out of this city that that was really my motivation for Twisted Philly. So I like to say we're not true crime all the time, but we are a lot lot of true crime. So I offer true crime, haunted history, cool and creepy places to visit. Um, So that's Twisted Philly. And I've been doing it for a month and three days. See, and it seems like you've been in this group and doing this for months. It feels that way too. But yeah, it's been just about a month. Congratulations on your 30 days. Thank you. Thank you. It's like you should get a chip chip, or or something. Right. Like a tiara. Oh, that's even Um, better. One of the things that I really like about your show is that you do cover the historical aspects. I love history. So hearing about history from a native is something that I really dig. I know what my favorite episode of yours is, but what would you tell me or tell our listeners if they were to listen to your show, what episode would you like them to start with or which episode are you most proud of? Um, I, my most favorite episode is Mutter Butter about the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia. It's my favorite part of the city. 
But if I could only pick one episode that someone would listen to, it would be a very recent episode that's titled The Day I Drove Past a Crime Scene. And it's the story of Amy Willard, who is a young woman from suburban Philadelphia who was murdered just 20 years ago this summer. To me, it's a more meaningful episode. Um, it's a little more serious than what I usually do. As you know, I'm kind of a smartass on my show. And I'm definitely <laughs> definitely less of a smartass in that episode. Um, it was tough, too. It was tough for me to be vulnerable with people. Um, you know, I have a very distant peripheral connection. It, it literally was the day I drove past her crime scene. And there's a number of people that, that I know that have been affected by this story. Some people that even went to school with her. Um, and it was a, it was a pretty big story in Philadelphia. And one of the things that I think is really great about it though, to have something positive come out of it was a change in legislation that her family and some, um, lawmakers here in Pennsylvania worked to create Amy's law so that if somebody from another state who had already committed murder in their originating state comes into another state and commits a, a capital crime, um, there's some federal intervention and federal monies to deal with that case and try to keep that person incarcerated as long as they're supposed to be behind bars. And that came about because of Amy. The day I drove past a crime scene, if there was just one episode, it would be that one. And it sounds like this episode, it was one death or one loss, but it had far-reaching implications. It did. It did for victims all across the country. All right. Well, I have not listened to that one yet. It just came out last week? Yes. This week? Last okay. week. It's in my... It's in my your cue. Wherever. Thank you. I, I was trying to think where I keep my podcasts before I listen to them. I keep them in a queue. There's been some big breakthroughs in two cases. Well, one's an anniversary and one's a big breakthrough. And I think we'll talk with the one that has the Philly connection first. And that is... Lori Erica Ruff. Yes. Um, I was shocked when I saw the information coming out about her case. And I hadn't heard about her until um, Insight did a really terrific episode, Insight podcast, about they Lori did. Erica Ruff just within, I guess it was within the last month or so. And what was strange to me just personally is I, I felt pretty negative about her listening to the podcast, feeling like she was hiding something and it had to be something nefarious or something unpleasant. She was hiding something from her family and her husband and her in-laws. And now after hearing her story that she just was kind of an 18 year old runaway in a way that she, right. um, you know, decided to leave her family and venture off on her own. Um, you know, I, I kind of have to check myself a little bit for being a little judgy of her until I learned her story. And then, yeah, surprisingly enough, she's from suburban Philadelphia. And we still really don't know how she ended up in she was in Idaho and California and, and Texas. Texas. And how We don't know what happened sort of between when she was Kimberly McLean and then Becky Sue Turner. We don't know what happened in those years because it was about a decade. Right. Right. That she was sort of out there. But she wasn't a spy. She wasn't escaped from a cult. She was a, a kid who wasn't getting on with her recently divorced parents and said enough. Yeah, and I, one of the sad things, and we talked about this a little bit, was just reading some of the comments from her biological family and thinking about her as an 18-year-old and a young woman putting herself through college when she was out on the road and just all of these things that she did, you know, probably without much of a support system and them right. wishing that they could have been there for that. And 
regardless of what people may say, I think it would take courage, you know, and just decide you're going to go live on your own and completely take care of yourself. It sounds like she absolutely was alone and for a long time. I hope that, that she's at peace and her family's at peace knowing what became of her. And then the other, and I have to, to preface this by saying this is not my favorite case, but Jean-Benet Ramsey is all over the news right now with the 20th anniversary of her death coming up. Yes, she in is. In December. And I know that you've been following this. So I tell have, me, tell me. I have. My guilty pleasure sometimes is seriously in your face reality television. Um, I don't admit that to too many people, but depending on how many listeners we get, I'm going to be admitting it to a whole lot of people right now. Yes, I, I watched two different programs. I watched the Jean Bonnet special on investigation discovery. There were some things in that show that I wasn't aware of. Um, apparently there was a gentleman who was American, but was in the Philippines at the time, late nineties or early 2000, who admitted to killing Jean Bonnet. He didn't, but theories okay. are that he did this so that he could get extradited back to the United States and get out of the Philippines or Thailand or wherever he was. But the special that I really was sucked into that really sort of changed my thinking was the special on CBS. It was a two-part special. Jim Clemente, former FBI profiler who also hosts his own podcast. What got me about the special on CBS were the forensic scientists, so Dr. Spitz and Dr. Lee. I mean, these are probably two of the most, if not the most, renowned, well-studied forensic scientists in the entire world. Their theories were really quite amazing because, you know, they looked at crime scene pictures. They looked at a complete reconstruction of the Ramsey house. Like this team had the Ramsey house rebuilt inside an airplane hangar. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, but so much of the work that they did with the evidence that was presented to them really led them to believe that Burke was the one who not intentionally injured Jean Benet and caused her death. And then as a result, the parents then tried to cover it up because I guess their thinking was, okay, we have one child that died accidentally at the hands of another child. I'm not going to lose my son after I just lost my daughter. It was pretty convincing. It was seriously convincing. I think what happens though with a lot of the evidence in this case is that you could make an argument one way or another for certain pieces of evidence. Um, but at least from everything I saw in the CBS special, convinced me that it was Burke. And before watching it, I always thought it was the mom. I always thought it was Patsy. Not intentional, maybe accidental. Um, but I can't imagine it could have been anybody outside of the house. So, so yeah, I watched two John Bonet programs. I think there's probably about 86 on right now. <laughs> like you need a Venn diagram to keep them all straight. But the CBS one was pretty compelling. And now CNN is running story after story that the Ramsey family is going to sue CBS because their final theory was that Burke was the killer. Again, albeit accidental, they did not in any way indicate they thought it was intentional. But yeah, the Ramsey family, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll be owning CBS in a couple of years. Anything but, is possible. Yeah. So you know that uh, if you listen to my show, I like to bring everything back to Michigan or uh, talk about when there's a Michigan connection. And the Ramseys, uh, Mr. Ramsey, moved to Michigan at one point. It was living up here, northern Michigan, and I believe ran for office. I did not know that. Was that since her passing? Yes. You know, since we have the Internet, I'm just going to look that up so that I can sound smart when I talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's a Republican. He went to Michigan State University. Okay. So there is definitely... There's a big connection uh, there. There is a big connection. And uh, my family uh, on my father's side is from West Virginia. And I believe that Patsy is from West Virginia. Yes, she was Miss West Virginia. Right. Yeah. Right. So let's see, political campaign. He ran for a seat in the Michigan House of Representatives in 2004 and 2008. Wow. Yeah, it all comes back to Michigan, it seems, <laughs> sometimes. Definitely in this case. In this case, it absolutely came right back to Michigan. People are fascinated by the case, and they just are, mm -hmm. because I think that law enforcement really did the best that they could, but because this isn't something that they're used to dealing with or used to investigating, maybe they didn't handle it as well as they could. Sure. there's. I would imagine there's a level of experience that comes in police precincts and parts of the country where they unfortunately have to deal with more crimes like this, you know, right. as, as you get exposed to that. It, you made me think of something that was interesting in the CBS special. So I think at the time, a number of the people in the Boulder Police Department recognized that they might have been a little bit out of their league with some elements of this case because Dr. Spitz, who is one of the forensic scientists, was called in by the FBI and Boulder police 20 years ago. They wanted him to right. walk, they wanted him to go through the crime scene. They wanted him to offer his expert opinion on all of the evidence. The family wouldn't let him in the house. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. The family I, I told the police. I wasn't either. The family told police that they wouldn't let him in. So <sighs> it's, it's interesting to think of, you know, what, what could have been different. And you can sit here and say, you know, could in one hand, Something else in the other. See which one adds up first. But right. so we we could woulda coulda shoulda the hell out of this. But there may have been opportunities for people with greater levels of expertise to lend that expertise to Boulder Police. They were thwarted. At least some of them that's, are. And I think and I think that goes to the point. That, I think it goes to the point that you made about the attention that she got. You know, money talks in this country. Yeah, I think we get spoiled too. You know, we're we're living in an age now where there's so many advancements in technology and, and science from a DNA right. perspective. So to us, when you hear something, well, there's DNA, it's almost like, oh, well, then case solved. Wait. You've got, you've got yeah. DNA. You know, even as little as 20 years ago, the technology wasn't the same and, you know, the, the teachings weren't the same. So we can, we can look at it with today's eyes, which are, right. are a bit unfair based on what the officers in the department had at their disposal at the time. So what do you think about the JonBenet case? I think that someone in the house accidentally dispatched her that evening and that a rather messy cover-up ensued. And if Burke was nine at the time that this happened, he was ten. no one's sending a nine-year-old to jail because he chucked something at his sister's head and accidentally killed her. They're not. No, and, and in the state of Colorado, um, any persons under 10 years of age cannot be prosecuted. There you go. So he was nine years and 10 months old at the time of Jean Benet's murder. So even if there would have been compelling evidence indicating Burke, there wouldn't have been any action that could have been taken at the time anyway because of his age. If they were trying to shelter him from having guilt by association or being looked askance because of his involvement, it didn't work. Right. I've seen a lot of speculation about his mental health status, a diagnosis that he may or may not have, you know, lots of armchair clinicians diagnosing him with various things. It's unfortunate. It was a tragedy that pretty much took down the entire family. 
for sure. Tell me what your big case is, the case that you're most interested in that's a big, well-known case. So I think this is a big, well-known case, although it's something that was solved shortly after it happened, but it was Dominique Dunn, the actress from Poltergeist. And I I think it was so big for me because Poltergeist came out in 82, so I would have been 13 at the time. And when I saw the movie, I loved her character, even though it was kind of a small character in the film. I thought she was cool. And her name was Dana, which is close to Dina, and she had dark hair. So I was kind of like, I kind of identified with her in some stupid 13-year-old way. And I think it was really the first, like, true crime story I was ever exposed to when she was murdered by her ex-boyfriend, not that long after the movie came out. Um, right. He was he was stalking her, if I remember correctly. He was. And the crazy thing was, when she was murdered, she had a friend at her house, it wasn't a boyfriend. It was a male friend. And her ex-boyfriend showed up and wanted to talk to her. So she went outside on the driveway to speak to him so she would, you know, be away from her friend that was over at the house. And that's when he killed her. It's like the most uh, – yeah. But that was – that's probably the, the biggest case that I remember the first time hearing something like that. And I really liked her when I saw Poltergeist. So that was that was a big one for me. And her father was very well known, Dominic Dunn, during the O.J. Simpson trial. He was all over it. Right. And he was also a writer and a socialite and involved in Hollywood. Yeah, that I do remember that one, and that was very tragic. Now, is there a smaller case, maybe a local case or a lesser-known case that uh, is a favorite or a pet case of yours? Yeah, that would be The Boy in the Box, um, which is Philadelphia's oldest unsolved murder. Um, The Apex and Abyss, actually, I think her first episode was about this case. You know, it's local and there's been some activity in the last six months um, with some writers who have theories about who this little boy may have been. I actually called the detective that's now responsible for the case and he told me to contact the VDEX Society in Philadelphia, which is former police officers who still get together to investigate unsolved cases. Um, I've called them. I've called the medical examiner's office. I've called the University of Tennessee where they're supposedly doing DNA analysis there as well. Nobody calls me back because I'm probably a pain in the butt. But yeah, I was trying to find out any updates that I could, even from our local news stations, um, because they haven't really talked about it since March. Um, you know, and hopefully could share that information with Apex and Abyss if they wanted to do an update or like you suggested, maybe we partner on something. But, I would love that if the two of you if the two of you were to partner on that case that would be awesome. I would love it. So much Philly. Yeah, it it would it would be a lot of Philly. It would be uh could be too much for some people to handle two Philly accents on one podcast. I think true crime listeners are pretty tough. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they can handle it. Yeah, so they're my big and small cases. I like both of them. I think they're excellent choices. Thank you. So do you have any upcoming episodes that you want to talk about? Anything you're working on? Um, Well, I'm going to be focusing quite a bit over the next month on some Halloween and haunted happenings. There are some really great opportunities in and around the city of Philadelphia to get your Halloween on. Um, I'd say probably my favorite is Eastern State Penitentiary. 
So there's going to be a big episode coming up about that. And Eastern State was actually the very first penitentiary in the state. Uh, not the state. It was the first penitentiary in the United States. Really? Yes. And it was the, the model for prisons in our country when prisons were first being built and established. And it was based truly on the word penitent, on the concept of helping criminals be penitent for their crimes and live a more pious life. Pay for prison system we have today, but that's a podcast for another day. Right. <laughs> Lots of Halloween happenings and haunted tours, so that's going to be a big part of my focus for the next um, for the next couple weeks. Okay. Have you seen the Ghost Hunters episode on Eastern State? I have Penitentiary. I have, and yeah, I remember what it was a few years ago. Yeah, and and one of the reasons I do not go to the Eastern State haunted house that they do for Halloween, and it is famous, and it's probably the best. Anywhere in the state of Pennsylvania. I will not attend that because that damn place is haunted. Like, I, I truly believe oh, that yeah. place is haunted. So it's bad enough for me, like, touring it from a historical perspective during the day. I'm not going to go in there when there's, like, college kids trying to make money for booze and books, putting masks on, <laughs> jumping out at me from behind a cell. Like, I don't need that. I'm 47. Like, I don't need that scary shit. No. Eastern State is scary enough as it is on its own. But... That haunted house they do there is really insane. It's really amazing. Um, from everybody who's gone that tells me, I'm just too scared to do it. Have you been there for a day tour or a daylight tour? Yes. Yes. Um, I uh, really enjoy the historical tours. Uh, it's a great place to take pictures. And they just had an exhibit recently about um, the prison system from a historical perspective in the United States. And, you know, not just Eastern State, but changes in the prison systems over the last, you know, 100 to 150 years um, and what we can learn from those changes that could possibly have positive impacts going forward. So, Excellent. yeah. But if you want to go watch the kids jump out in masks and scare the crap out of you, they have a terrific, it's called um, Behind the Walls, Eastern State Penitentiary Behind the Walls. It's really good. It's just it sounds sweet. fabulous. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd go, but it sounds fabulous. <laughs> you have to come out here to go to the Mutter Museum. I was in Philly in 2002 when Morimoto's restaurant opened. Oh, okay. Food, yeah. Big Food Network fans. And we got to uh, have dinner there and meet the chef himself. Excellent. Fantastic. Excellent. I was just in Kansas City last weekend. You were for That's, the Gen Y pod meetup. How I awesome was. was that? It was very awesome. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Nice people. Good time. Yeah. Didn't FaceTime people. I was supposed to FaceTime, but the uh, the room was not conducive to it. The room that we were in was a long, narrow room. And on one side, it was a long table for 50 people, and it was full. And then next to it was another table for 50 people, which was a 75th birthday party. Oh. <laughs> right? So we're like, oh, I hope, I hope Nana Jan likes true crime. <laughs> It ended up working very well. They were very nice. We were very nice. Uh, we were oh, hoping sure. they'd offer us slices of birthday cake. They did not offer us slices of birthday cake. It's all right. There was a lot of like, what are they doing? What are they doing? Oh, it's that's very interesting. Yeah, it looked like it was a yeah. great time. Yeah, it absolutely was. I just want to say thank you for inviting me into this space and for giving me the opportunity to talk about my show and the opportunity to partner with you and all of these other badass, amazing women in true crime podcasts. Like I can't We're, say, I can't say enough about just how gracious and generous everyone is with their advice agreed. and their expertise. 
and their friendship. It's been awesome. Agreed. Agreed. I'm very grateful to be part of the group. I've definitely learned a lot. And and we've been welcoming other new podcasters sort of into the fold. It, it's been super helpful because I know that iTunes has made me cry more than once. <laughs> <laughs> iTunes, man. Yeah, I'm with you on yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. well, thank you, Dina. You're I welcome. I appreciate it. And Dina's podcast is called Twisted Philly. You can find it on iTunes and Stitcher and all of the major podcast sources. Yes. So check it out. Have a good night. Have a good night. <laughs> Mom, delivery. You've been loading up on things from Walmart? Yeah, I used my new Capital One Walmart Rewards card. It earns unlimited 5% back on everything I buy from Walmart online. Say what? 5% back. Say what? 5% back. Say what now? 5%, 5% back. back. 
With what? The Capital One Walmart Rewards Card. Earn unlimited rewards, including 5% back at Walmart Online on top of Walmart's everyday low prices. What's in your wallet? Terms and exclusions apply. Capital One N.A.